my business vibrator. I can't wait to start reading books again. Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, initially, I was supposed to do the intro because Rob was going to explain what we're doing tonight. Um, but Rob did it wrong. So here we go. <laughs> you heard last week's episode. That's going to sound really well-rounded in comparison to this week. I don't know, man. I think we got a good structure here. I think we're some good stuff is going to come out of this. Here's what we're going to do. Again, Lazy Summer Podcasting continues. We basically let Jesse Lawrence pick our topics for this week. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on each of these, um, but I'm going to read to you <laughs> what the comment he made on the post we made. Jesse Lawrence, long-time, long-time friend of the podcast. Um, it says, Livius, if you want structure for the next episode... I can quickly, I can quick jot down a list of stuff for you to talk to to talk about. I can't read it all. I've got tons of ideas. So, um, Rob, would you like to kick it off? Let me kick it off with the first one because I have nothing on this because I have not seen this movie, which shouldn't surprise longtime listeners. Hmm. Why Heather's is the ultimate teen film that no one will ever best. All right. Now that you've said that, did I hear you right? Do you have not seen Heather's? No, I, I guess I have to. I have to see Heather's. Is that oh, what you're shit. saying right now? All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're going. We're to gonna the... watch it right now. <laughs> oh, that's a great. That's an even better idea than the one I had. We are going to Wikipedia, and I'm gonna read to you the the plot or the synopsis of of Heather's. All right. This should make for great podcasting. If anybody else is not familiar <laughs> with this. 30 year old movie 30 am i saying that right is it probably about 30 years old 25 um it it came out it released in october of 1989 no march of 1989 so that's 26 years old <laughs> if anyone yeah. <laughs> do we have to give a spoiler warning are you going to spoil anything for me it's all spoilers no. i do know that that christian slater is in it and there's a couple of girls and i think one of them went on to do other stuff like someone we would know, right? By oh, dude, it's got Winona Ryder. That one. That's Shannon Doherty. Kristen mm. Slater. It's good stuff. Shannon Doherty went on to do Mallrats. She did. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear about that, go back to our previous episode of Booked, where we talk about Mallrats. <laughs> this is... We're so timely. Uh, All right, yeah. read us the synopsis of Heather's. All right. The most dominant clique at Westberg High School consists of three wealthy and beautiful girls with the same first name. The leader, Heather Chandler, the bookish, bulimic Heather Duke, and the weak-willed cheerleader, Heather McNamara. Though they are the most popular students, the Heathers are both feared and hated. They recently invited 17-year-old Veronica Sawyer to join their group, that's played by Winona Ryder, um, by, uh, by association making her a very popular girl as well. However, as the film begins, Veronica has had enough of their behavior and longs to return to her old life and her nerdy friends. Of late, I've been watching older movies. Um, I will add this to the list. Um, not based on that synopsis, but based on the fact that um, it is according to Jesse Lawrence, the ultimate teen film that no one will ever best. Personally, if I had to name one, yeah. one, Breakin. Breakin, I did not see. Wow. I'm not going to read you the synopsis, but it's, <laughs> it's about breakdancing. It's about street kids and uh, the lack of acceptance by the snooty upper class. I think, if I remember Heather's correctly, I'm looking through this because, like, um, there's a lot of death involved. And Christian Slater's basically encouraging everybody to die or kill each other or something. It's really... I can't remember it at all. And so I can't really defend it because I remember liking it, but I don't remember, like, the details of the story. And this and the plot synopsis on Wikipedia is, like, seven paragraphs, so that wouldn't make for good podcasting. But uh, um, I do remember liking it a lot. I do want to get back to, to see it again. Um, Next week we'll review Heather's. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other teen movies now that I think are great. Well, I recently, and I think I mentioned on the podcast, watched Pump Up the Volume again, which is just fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. And Christian Slater. And Christian Slater. 
Oh, and Gleaming the Cube, also brilliant teen movie starring Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah, and uh, in um, <laughs> in Pump Up the Volume, that one that girl takes her gear off at one point, and you're like, oh, she's got little girl boobs. That's great. <laughs> All right, this is great. Let's move on to the next subject. Let's see if this next one goes any better. All right, all right, all right. I got this one. Um, rock singers who are old now but still don't suck. Rick Springfield. Mm. So we're keeping in the rock category then, because it doesn't specify well, it like says rock singers. All right, all right. Because yeah. they may suck at other things like writing books. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's quite possible. I have another one, though, and my serious, my Rick Springfield. I, I do think Rick Springfield doesn't suck, but right. my very serious one for someone who's really, really getting up there, Alice Cooper. Yeah, he's still going, isn't he? Yeah, that guy has not lost a step. Um, and I was recently talking to Frank Edler online, and we were talking about Alice Cooper albums, and I had recommended Zipper Catch a Skin, and I was reminded that's one of his very little-known albums. There were three albums that he recorded that he says to this day he doesn't actually remember recording because he was so fucked up on smoking <laughs> like crack, I think is what he was smoking at the time. <laughs> so, Yeah, but uh, Alice Cooper, man, he's still, if you catch a little live performance of him, he's got a weird cover album coming out. It's him, Joe Perry, and, um, God damn it, see, and people think I, I make this shit up, uh, with Johnny Depp. I was going to say the Pirates of the Caribbean guy. <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. So Alice Cooper, yes, Joe Perry of Aerosmith and Captain Jack Sparrow on an album where they're covering songs that are all, I guess, written by people that they drank with that are dead. That's morbid. Yeah. It's like a like a memory kind of like, you know, like pouring one out for the homies, I guess. All right. I'm racking my brain, man. And I just can't think of you might have to really lift the, the heavy weight on this one because like every rock rocker that I think of. I think they pretty much suck now. So, like, I'm thinking Vince Neil. Oh, terrible. Sucks. Um, uh, <laughs> like, every band I think of. So then I'm thinking of other bands like, uh, um, I'm totally drawing a blank. I suck at this game. Rockers that don't, that, oh, <laughs> I'm going to say fucking Dave Grohl always sucked. Does he count, or is he too young to be like? An I think old people rocker? are gonna are gonna argue with you on that. I've never been. I've just kind of been indifferent. I don't feel one way or the other about Dave Grohl. Yeah, he's a better drummer. He he has, I will tell you though, been very very popular in like social media news. It seems like every time I get online, he's done something. Like the last thing I saw was him throwing someone out of his concert because they were fighting. And be, you know, doing that kind of thing on stage where he's like, "Fuck you, man! People don't come to my show to fight. You come to my show to dance." That kind of crap. Oh man! Then there's that whole thing where like a million Hungarians or whatever were playing musical instruments to get the Foo Fighters oh, to come I to saw whatever that. Yeah, third yeah. world country. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, it's like every time around he broke his leg and kept playing. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, so it's like he's 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 more news now than he was when I actually thought the Foo Fighters were a big thing. Yeah, they're kind of not the biggest thing in the world anymore. I did think Again, of someone, though. I, I'm going to go back to a conversation with Frank Edler, who's our ghost host this episode, apparently, <laughs> apparently and yeah. Jesse Lawrence, yeah. Um, it, there's a new... Do you, do you remember the band Wasp? Nope. Okay, so Wasp, that was uh, the front band, and that's Blackie Lawless, was, uh, was a pretty big deal in the late 80s and they were one of the like kind of targets for the the PMRC the Parents Music Resource Center do you remember that at all no so they're the ones that pass like warning labels on albums and stuff for profanity and content oh, like and all that Nancy Reagan shit from the 80s no that was Tipper Gore yeah Al Gore's oh, I'm wife sorry, Tipper Gore. yep you were, you were right there <laughs> but yeah that's Damn it. Um, and they were one of the targets uh, of that and uh, they have a new album out and I listened to a new song and I kind of liked it and we were, Frank Edler and I were talking online he was saying how it was kind of too poppy for Wasp but that's what I liked but I, I'd said to him that you know a lot of these old bands I don't like anything they're doing now the vast majority of them I get really excited when someone says oh you know Motley Crue has new music or Wasp or Slaughter or somebody and then I go listen to it and it's just horribly disappointing I got one for you Okay. Trent Reznor does not suck um, you know, I haven't heard anything new from him, so I, I can't say. I don't remember the last new thing I heard from Trent Reznor. But yeah, he's he's he, his music is a little timeless. I mean, this, even the slightly older stuff. 
seems like it would play well at any time. Oh man, that Pretty Hate Machine album from like 89? That's like the definition of timeless. Yep. Rob Zombie, maybe? Rob Zombie He's does not suck. Right? I'll agree with you on that. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. There's the list. That's uh, that's everything. Feel, feel free to message Rob um, with any, anything you disagree with on that. Bacon <laughs> cheeseburgers. Dice the bacon and mix it in with the beef or just throw it on top. Now, before we go into this topic, I want to tell you that I think I already know your response. Mm-hmm. And then I will confirm this when you give your answer. Do you would you like to talk about it first? Or you want me to go? Yeah, I think there's a whole third option on this, which uh, is just yeah. throw it on a plate with some eggs somewhere else and not near your your perfectly good cheeseburger. <laughs> I got it right. Somehow I remembered that you don't like burger no. distractions. No, no. Listen, I like weird stuff on burgers. Peanut butter on a burger, I'm all for it. Right? I just think bacon. I don't know why people are so obsessed with bacon on, on a perfectly good cheeseburger. I'm not opposed to bacon. I like bacon well enough on a croissant, you know, with some eggs or next to whatever, you know, whatever your breakfast pancakes or something. But just not on a cheeseburger, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, It's good. Like, you know, when you get a salad and they get the little bacon bits on top. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm a little, I don't know. But, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. So I'll let you answer the question with only these two very narrow-minded options that uh, that Mr. Lawrence presented us with. This is very narrow. Um, throw it on top, man. That's the way you got to go. That's what a bacon cheeseburger is all about. I mean, dicing it and mixing it in with the beef just seems like kind of like a douchey like gourmet approach to just having a bacon cheeseburger. So I hope that Jesse isn't of the diced, uh, you know... Persuasion, because I like him a lot. I don't want him to think that I think he's a douche, but I think dicing it and putting it in with the beef is a little bit douchey. All right. I'm Let's judging. On. It's okay. It's, I don't think there's much else to say on that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, throw out the next one, Rob. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this one. <clears throat> Dr. Sleep. What would it have been like if David James Keaton had written it? I'm guessing you probably know my answer on this one, too. Um, worse, better, well, different. I think it would have been more entertaining <laughs> overall, but less coherent. <laughs> Definitely more confusing. And that was a long book, but it would have been longer. Um, oh yeah, are you kidding? Seven hundred pages—that's nothing to this man. <laughs> it would have been a lot more Danny Torrance. Like, well, that's an interesting thing because you know that you know David's connection to mm-hmm. yeah. So I think there would have been a lot of in-jokes because... So we should explain that for yeah. anybody who doesn't know. So um, I don't know the, the actor's name, but David James Keaton taught at the same educational institute as the guy who played Danny Torrance in the original Shining. Yep. Who's, his kid. first name is yeah. Daniel, I think, still. Still? But, yeah. He hasn't changed it yet? No, I mean, like, Fuck the that. actor. Yeah. His actual name. Anyway. Um so, yeah, I'm sure there would have been in-jokes. And, and, and that's okay, because, you know, and I'm sure they would have been funny even if you didn't get them, if that makes sense. Yeah. There would have been something weird and crazy that had something to do with, you know, something only David knows about, which would be like, at one point he was, like, you know, using the washroom in the urinal next to this guy. Right, and that scene would have made mm-hmm. it in or something. I think it would have been, Absolutely. yeah, much more self-referential, much more hilarious, probably far less of a coherent plot or narrative. Um, I think I would have liked it better. I think that <laughs> the idea of giving David James Keaton the follow-up novel to one of the most popular books ever written is probably the greatest idea I've ever heard. Um, yeah, he should pitch that. You know, that story might not be over. There could be a third part. That's true. What I think would be more entertaining is, um, and I think you'll agree with me, so, like, the book itself, entertaining, but the idea of compiling all of the back and forth that he would have with the publisher about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, or if he had tracked all of the things that he slipped in, the uh, editor didn't know about. <laughs> like yeah. those, his antics surrounding the creation of the book, I think, would be far superior to the book itself. Because if there's I, something uh... that he excels at, it's antics. Yes. Yes, I think definitely. I also think that he would have done those psychic vampires. Um, 
I get the feeling they would have been a lot cheesier. I get the feeling he has very little respect for psychic vampires. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's really hard to garner respect from David James Keaton in general. That's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. I don't even think he's gonna hear this episode because he's probably driving cross country right now to his new homestead. Yeah, to the place that I just left. Yep, yep. You're a trendsetter, Rob. I'm saying. Is that hey, Rob, I'm... do you remember when swing music came back? Um, I remember that Zoot Suit Riot song. Yes, yes. Um, I wouldn't have been able to pull that name out, but in the '90s, yeah. Um, what band was that? I don't know. Cherry Poppin' Daddies? Yep. Does that sound oh, right? Oh, and there was the guy from uh, Shit. The guy from Shit. I remember this. Yeah, yeah. no. There was a guy from a famous 80s band that also came back with like a swing band. But I can't remember. He he was the... the so there was, there was that song that you were talking about, and then there was this other guy, and that was the revival of swing. Mm. Um, let's this see, sounds very familiar. This, yeah. Oh, he was from Stray Cats. I did not get to actually Googling it, but the guy, the lead singer from Stray Cats, yeah, started a band that was very swingy. Uh, was it of the diff- a different name, or was it the same name? Because the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Uh. Oh, yeah. So that's it's funny because I put in swing music '90s Stray Cats. This was my search. Uh, the first thing that came up was Stray Cats Strut. The second thing was the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Jump, Jive, and Whale. Was the name I of remember the that, yeah. And right below it is Cherry Pop and Daddies. Yep, yep. Because so, those are the cool. two bands that tried to make the uh, swing the swing music comeback. And uh, I think it got to those two songs. And really what happened is it touched off this like fury of like swing dance classes. And then I think once people learned how stupid swing dancing was, it just kind of did what it was supposed to and... It was like fucking, those two people were like the guy that made Jurassic Park, you know? Like, mm-hmm. those dinosaurs aren't supposed to exist in our time. It's the same thing with <laughs> swing music's not supposed to exist in our time, so we just I let the park... I could be wrong with this. Yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong with this historically. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I can't be bothered to actually look up the dates or anything. But I do think that that kind of swing music mini-revival may have paved the way a little bit for um for ska bands um to become popular not that it created them because they were around for long before that but bands like real big fish or the mighty boss tones which had a similar you know there was all kind of the trumpets and the i I think that might have paved the way a little bit for those bands to to have some breakout hits Hmm. so i could be wrong on that time frame but it did seem like maybe like let's try swing music and people were like some parts of swing music are okay and then they were like hey the parts that are okay are actually ska music so <laughs> so not necessarily that it inspired ska but it it put it more on yes. the 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 radar of the general public i would have yes that's probably what i was going to say okay or so I could, yeah cuz i could see that like jump jive whatever song and everybody's like oh yeah cool there's some horns and then someone hears another song with horns and they're like yeah this isn't so bad maybe i'll listen to this too yeah. Either way, do you miss swing music, Livius? No. Yeah, neither do I. No, not even a little bit. I was like, there was. I remember vividly there was a point in my life where I was worried that someone was going to try and get me to learn swing dancing. <laughs> it's like, it's, was it was this a legitimate a, fear? Or was it was a legitimate was? concern okay. in my life that someone was going to try and push me toward learning swing dancing. Oh, I could see you though in like the in like that outfit because all those fuckers wore hats. <laughs> then there definitely was a hat theme, um, like loose suits or something like a like I don't know white like a white suit. I think for some reason I think white suits when I think swing dancing. Kind of boxy suits. I don't know if yeah. loose, but like kind of big shoulder. We could like, be getting all this wrong. We might not. We might <laughs> talk about a completely different subject. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, whenever someone's talking total nonsense, I'm like, that's a dream you had. And I think we might be wandering into that's a dream you had territory. So, All right, well, in, in keeping this in keeping this, uh, this thread kind of coherent, <laughs> let's move right into greatest music videos of all time. I want to tell you that we did zero prep for this show in case that's not very clear to anybody. So there's going to be lots of long silences and pauses and us trying to think of great music videos. You got one off the top of your head? This is so uncharacteristic because... Um, I don't really care for them or the song, but the first thing that came to my mind, and I think I'm confusing the word greatest with longest or weirdest. 
but um and i think we may have to refine this down to like mini music video moments because there's some music videos that have good moments but like i think uh, <laughs> the first thing that flashed into my mind and is um really embarrassed to even say it is that november rain video from guns and roses Dude, this is so fucking weird because the first, <laughs> I swear to God, greatest music videos of all time, November Rain was the first thing I thought of. That's weird. It's not even that good of really a video. That's really fucking weird. Well, I see. I think, okay, so I think some of what you're saying is true on kind of longest or, or one of like the more epic music videos. Yeah. Because that was actually a trilogy of videos. Okay. Not that song, but they actually released a trilogy of videos that was kind of like, um, you know, kind of had some continuity between the videos. So when yeah. you put them all together, it was like a 12 or 13, 14 minute. Yeah, it was big. Story. Yeah. But that was, and I honestly, I watched, I watched all three of those videos. It can't have been two or three months ago. <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But that's weird that, wow. Yeah. That, that we, we both, both went, went there. Uh, <laughs> November and there's people at home this is this is what this is there's people driving in their cars right now and i was watching uh i know we mentioned it last time Penn and teller fool us i watched this again the other night <laughs> and there was one of these where the magician says to and maybe you saw it it was a woman she she fans out she splits the deck in half and fans out the cards and tells the host the, the british guy she's like just think of one of these cards like you don't have to point to it just yeah. just remember what it is and he picked the same card i did and it wasn't like part of the trick. It's not one of those like, oh, if you look under your seat, it's that card that's under your seat. It wasn't where it was like a force. Like him and I from, you know, whatever, 26 cards both picked the exact same card. And there's people driving off the road right now. We said November rain. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like a weird book related podcast magic trick we just pulled. It just blew everybody's minds. Um, now there's elements of music videos that I think are great. Um like the end of Epic by Faith No More, when he's it's the piano at the very end and that fish is flopping. The floppy fish. That's yeah. fucking, that's memorable. Oh, you know, and see, and that's another thing, though. And is it, hmm. November Rain was a pretty epic song, and so was Epic. God, I didn't mean to do that. Um, <laughs> both of them, though, were in their in their own class. I mean, big, big songs. And I wonder if we're equating big songs. Two big music videos? Big music videos. Because I'm sure there's probably some great music videos for some really fucking horrible music. But we probably paid less attention to them. Um, how about Sabotage, Beastie Boys? Um, that one was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I hate that song. And, and I kind of hate... I also hate 70s style stuff. Oh, you so like I mean? the... Like, cop mustaches and yeah the big like that stuff just for. yeah even tv shows or, or movies people are like oh you got to see this movie if it takes place in the 70s the chances are i'm just not going to watch it like that's kind of just not not my thing gotcha uh, i was thinking home sweet home which is another huge song and i know oh, the yeah. reason that i'm thinking about that is um God, when i was probably in the eighth grade mtv used to have the the top 20 video card they had it for years i'm sure but I swear it must have been the better part of a year. That video was number one. And I would always get home like right around the time the top three videos were on. So those would change, you know, every week, every couple days. But the number one video every single fucking day was Home Sweet Home. So I have like that entire video is burned onto the, my frontal lobe. If I close my eyes and hum a little bit of it, I can probably tell you scene by scene what that video is. That's I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you. Um, but again, another epic song and not an epic. I mean, you know, again, I can't pull out one song that was really kind of a whatever little known song where I can go, oh, this video is amazing. Now, I just I just remembered. Um, I don't know if you ever saw these, but this was back in um, I pulled up on Amazon. One of them, there were DVDs that were called director series and they collected music videos directed by the same person into like a, a, a collection. Have you ever oh, heard of that? No, that's pretty weird. So, Director Series Volume 1 was Spike Jones. Volume 3 was Michelle Gondry. Um, there's one for Chris Cunningham, Jonathan Glazer. So, really what it does is, um, it just takes music videos from all these different people that were like, you know, so you could see that their directorial style is the same throughout these different videos. Um, the Michelle Gondry one is one I owned. And it's very interesting because, like, um, some of some of the songs in there, um, like the music. So basically, it's 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 a highlight of their their directing style, 
And one of the videos that's in there uh, for the Michelle Gondry one is Around the World by Daft Punk. Okay. I don't know I if don't you've remember ever the video. I know the song, but yeah. Okay. So Daft Punk in general, and especially back uh, in the 90s, was very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, consisting of just kind of very, you know, separated instrumental kind of components. And I know I'm getting super nerdy <laughs> about this. Um, but basically what they did with this music video is um, he had a bunch of people dressed differently. And they had a very specific dance that they would do. And the way that um, everybody was coordinated, each person or all the people that were dressed one way represented one instrument in the song. So, like, you know, all the different musical parts had a a costume representation. So there's a group of people for this sound, a group of people for this sound. And their dance in the video mimicked the sound that was happening in the song. So um, if you want to talk about actual, like, video content, um, that was one of the ones that I thought was really cool. And I didn't realize it until I watched this kind of DVD and they explained it and everything. But um, I mean, it was really cool. So there's actually an entire series of DVDs dedicated to uh, music videos and the people that make them. So It's kind of an interesting concept. You don't think about it, but like you'll see. Um, actually, there's one White Stripes video, same director. Um, I think it's the hardest button to button, which is all mm-hmm. done with Legos. So mm-hmm. it's an entire video, you know, motion like stop motion video or whatever of all the White Stripes playing, but it's all Legos. The more you talk, the more videos come to mind, though. Yeah. So I'll throw a couple out there. Anything by OK Go. Oh God. Fucking right. tell me about it. If there's a DVD of the guy who does them, like that would be worth watching. But uh, stop motion, that Genesis video with the clay, like oh, that, Ronald um, Reagan. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like that's that's a pretty, pretty epic. That I will tell you, that video, and more so probably the content of the song, like at the age I was when that came out, that scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> Because it's all about how, like, stupid politicians are going to end the world from their, like, fighting and stuff. Because yes. it's, like, it's a commentary on the Cold War, right? Right, yes. At least from what I remember, yeah. So, to a fucking kid who's, like, under 10 years old, you're watching a video that's basically telling you these people who run the country and the world are going to kill you. It really freaked me out. But it was a great video, I will give you that. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Okay. <laughs> like so, uh, yeah. so we started off with like <laughs> started out with November Rain, <laughs> but then we really got it. November Rain was the warm up, I think. For <laughs> so let's talk about this. Funny that you say that because I vividly remember Thriller came out probably that'd be like eighty six, maybe eighty five. Um, um yeah. it's an elementary school, and I remember there being a lot of like you know, oh, this is going to be on TV, and your kids are going to see it, and you know, it was you know the zombies or whatever, but. I remember there being a show called Friday Night Videos that was on ABC at some ridiculous time, like 1130 at night on like Friday night or something. Mm-hmm. I would stay up and watch it because this was um, just pre-MTV. So I guess maybe I was in seventh grade, sixth grade. I don't know. Whatever. Um, either I didn't have MTV yet, um, but it was it was an outlet. And you only saw the top videos because it was a one-hour show where they did music videos. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, all you saw was like the top hits. But I remember them doing that video, the full like fourteen minute version or whatever right. it was. Yeah. There was like movie and stuff with him going, and it was just amazing to see. And I will say that iconically, that might be the answer to one of the greatest music videos of all time. I'll bet you that if you look at some lists, that's probably number one on a lot of them. It's got to be, man. I mean, like, because it's all choreographed. It's all like live action. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. um, like it was it was a great concept. You know, yeah. There's so many moving parts to it. Um, I'd have to say that, like, if you're going from an objective perspective, that's got to be, that's got to be one of them. <laughs> Fucking November rain. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'll throw out something cool for for um again Frank Edler, ghost host for this episode. Um, <laughs> Frank and I, this is what happens on Friday nights. Oh, I'll God. comment on something Frank posts, then he'll message me, and that's a three-hour 
Facebook Messenger conversation <laughs> that goes on about the weirdest shit. Yeah. Band called Ghost BC. Um, Rob, just look these guys up on YouTube just so you can see like a screen cap of what these guys look like. All right, hang on. You just um, reminded so me of one, by the way. Frank turned me on to these guys. I wound up watching, I don't know, six or seven of their, their videos. Um, they're, uh, they're definitely trying to invoke some King Diamond in their act. Like, but, have, um, like hardcore it, metal shit? Kind of more operatic. Opera. opera attic. Opera. <laughs> Here we go with the pronunciations again. I just typed uh, in ghost I, BS on like, accident. Oh yeah, no, that's a whole different. That's, that's, a, that's a whole different. Oh, there's like a like a priest in with like yeah. a skull face. Dude, I was doing some reading on these guys, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing on the podcast, but they, their their shtick, man, is solid. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's kind of like King Diamond on on like Quaaludes or Xanax or something. Like a mellow King Diamond is what they're going for. <laughs> it's 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 some interesting it's some interesting stuff. I just, I don't know why, but you reminded me, uh, did you ever see, there's a video, this isn't like the greatest music video of all time, but um, a song is called If I Only Had a Brain by MC 900 Foot Jesus. <laughs> no, by the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz? Of course <laughs> I've seen that, like a million times, one of my favorite songs. Oh, that's why, it was directed by Spike Jones. Um, so it's got, it had a legit director to it, but, um, the basic, I don't, I mean, the song is what it is, but the whole video is a guy basically gets taped up into a shipping box, like a, like a cardboard box. And most of the video is the progress of the box being shipped and like him inside of it singing and like getting bounced all around and stuff like that. So it was just kind of a unique concept. <laughs> Going back to November rain after hearing that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good video, but... <laughs> It was a unique concept. <laughs> Fucking November rain. I'll tell you what, though. This reminds me. Did you have more videos to talk about? No, no. I think right. I'm good. I, I mean, I honestly, the longer we go, I could probably do another 40 minutes just on music <laughs> videos now that you've got me going. I'm going to stop here. <sighs> it was a good warm-up with November rain, but I think that I think that objectively probably Thriller yeah, is going to be the greatest music video of all time. Um, there is a podcast... Um, that actually deals with music videos as its main theme. Uh, Brayton Cameron, friend of the podcast, and Gary Butterfield do a podcast called Teenage Dirtbags. Yeah, listen, notice he didn't say that Gary is a friend of the podcast. Fuck Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not... <laughs> yeah, fuck Gary. Um, and the, the Teenage Dirtbags, basically, um, they're supposed to be 90s music videos, but they kind of, you know break that rule a little bit um but basically they take one music video per week and spend 15 to 30 minutes talking about it so um basically it's it's always like them making fun of the video but the video is supposed to be like interesting enough that or weird enough that if you watch it like you can kind of enjoy the conversation about it calling out i want them to do x french t-shirt i've never i have no idea what you're talking about oh it is one of the best songs ever written it's it's readily available on YouTube. Is the video good though? Because like they base their choices on how the music video looks. I have no idea. Like if it's really weird or fucked up. It might be a little weird, I'm not sure. Alright. But anyway, I definitely recommend I don't remember the video. I remember the song. <laughs> I definitely recommend it is entertaining. Um a little bit weirder than booked. A lot weirder than booked, really, if you want. <laughs> not than this episode of Booked. <laughs> not this yeah, this episode is weird. Um <laughs> November Rain. <laughs> Um, but I definitely re recommend checking it out. Those guys are, are pretty funny, and it's it's a nice kind of nostalgic look at old music videos. All right, Rob. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's there's a, a solid answer to this next one. Binge watching versus week by week watching. I'm kind of a binger. Yeah, I think I think everybody is now. I thought you might for a second. I thought you might go the other way because I know you will watch the same episode like twice of something. Oh, absolutely, I will. So I don't know if you do that when you're binge watching. I'm thinking you probably just move forward. If, if you had, if I gave you a whole season of something, like you said, you just watched season three of Banshee. Yep. I'm thinking you didn't rewatch any of the episodes, but had you have watched it week by week, 
in the particular episode caught your fancy, you would have just watched it again instead of waiting six days or seven days or whatever to watch the next one. I think my disposition essentially is like, if it's a show that I just want to get the next episode as soon as possible. Hannibal is a perfect example. Like Hannibal, I have to see it when it comes out because I love the show and and they just and you just need to get it as quickly as I can. Um, but if it's like something that I'm coming to, like if you're like, oh, you really need to watch Doctor Who. I'm just going to binge the shit out of that until it's done. Um, yeah. So I guess it kind of depends. But there's... I mean, there's even shows that I like to watch that I'll just kind of wait until that season's... It's like... Mm-hmm. like I think it's the level of importance. If it's like Hannibal level, I watch it week by week. But if it's like, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm not super in love with it, then it gets kind of binged. Yeah, I don't... There's not a lot that I... So there are shows. There are a few shows that, that I like well enough. Um, but I can't stay interested week by week. Yeah. But when there's like five at a time I can watch, I can totally. Like I watch the first one, I go, oh, this is okay. And by the second one, I'm kind of back in the rhythm. And by the third one, I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Right. If I had to watch them week by week, um, it, it probably wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't watch. Now, that being said, one of the discoveries I made years ago when, you know, when, when the way you binge watch something was you went to Blockbuster <laughs> and, and rented like the DVD. Yeah. You know? Is that with some shows, you love them when you binge watch them because you watch three episodes at a time or whatever, and something's always happening because you're watching three episodes. So every every session, something pretty exciting or interesting happens. But then when you're all caught up, so let's say you watch the first three seasons of 24, which I think is when I made this realization. Then when I started watching it on television, once a week I still liked the show, but it seemed like something was lacking because I just wasn't getting as much packed into one night or one session or whatever because i was watching 42 minutes of tv right and then there was nothing for seven days so i don't know i think that might have something to do with you know when people i'd be interested to see if other people have binge watched seasons of something and caught up to what when it's on tv and if they still had the same affection (laughs) for it (laughs) when you were watching it you know a A, with a eight-month period in between where there's nothing and then you get to watch 14 episodes one per week yeah or worse one of those shows where they're like hey here's episode one and two and then oh we'll be back in six weeks you know after the super bowl or what you know i mean some kind of crazy shit or whatever where they take these long breaks like that winter break is always murder yeah mid-season break makes me want to fucking kill people now netflix fucking threw a wrench in the mix because they release episodes of their uh, Netflix originals all at once. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll release a season, just drop it. So, like, it it kind of fucks the (laughs) week-by-weekers because, like, you have to, you know, you have everything available, so either you're just going to watch it because it's there or you're going to have the self-control to say, okay, I'm watching episode two next week. I don't think anybody does that unless you have some kind of weird, like, you know, you don't watch TV during the week. You know what I mean? Where it's one of those, like, I yeah. only watch TV on Saturday mornings. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you're going to watch Sense8 or, or um, House of Cards or whatever, one of their other original shows. It was fucked up. Because, like, when uh, Arrested Development, that season came out, there was, their, I think, hour-long episodes. And there was, like, 12 or 15 or something. And, like, I wanted to watch it all right away because I'm a huge fan of Arrested Development. So I had to spend, like, a whole day just watching Arrested Development. It's. I will tell you that Netflix probably has some very embarrassing information about each and every one of us. <laughs> well, because I know they track how many right. people watch back-to-back episodes, and they have information on like what the average viewing time is for binge-watching. You know, it's probably like three hours at a time or something. Yeah. And, and the other thing that's weird is that if you said, "Hey, you got to check out this movie. It's like three and a half hours long," I'd be like, "Fuck that, man! I'm not watching a three and a half hour <laughs> movie, but I can watch." 14 fucking episodes of the almighty johnsons <laughs> like, like in a row like just give me the day off and i will i will watch all of it you know what i mean but yeah, you start talking about three hour movies and i'm like yeah i don't think that's for me yeah that's weird so little weird no i guess there's no real resolution on the binge versus week by week there isn't no no resolution there um here's one we're going to cover real quickly i'm just trying to keep them together. i realize we should have grouped these together because some of them <laughs> make some sense Speaking of watching things, first of all, I can't believe that you and I are friends and you have never seen um, Della Morte, Della More, or uh, as the American 
release version is entitled Cemetery Man. You even at one point like gifted me a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> like, I, I don't even know what this. That's not that's not Jesse's question. <laughs> it's like, how are you still friends with Rob? But, <laughs> I have no excuse for not watching it um, at all. But apparently, everybody in the fucking world, like everybody we've ever had on. Like, if they have anything to do with horror, thinks it's the best movie ever. So, I, I should probably watch it, right? Yeah, it, it's a really, really weird movie. And, and some of its appeal to me is is probably that it's kind of a non-linear, just kind of weird, almost episodic film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's I, God, Did we talk about this very recently on the podcast? Because I feel like <laughs> I brought up Dylan Dog. Dude, it comes up like once every five episodes. Okay, so now, like, all right. So. We should really just change the name of the podcast to like... Della Morte. Yeah. Della Morte, Della More. It's, I don't even believe this. I, I can't understand how this was made into a film. So there's an Italian comic book series called Dylan Dog, which might sound familiar to people who keep up with um, crappy movies that the guy from Superman was in. <laughs> Brandon um, Ruth. Yes, that guy. Who does an excellent job on Arrow just in case you were wondering, as another superhero. Um, uh, Italian comic book series, and Della Morte Della More, or the character Francesco Della Morte, um, was like a side character, like in a couple of episodes. Like, he wasn't even like a big deal from my understanding. I don't read <laughs> Italian, or Italian comic books for that matter. Um, but somehow, somebody thought it would be a great idea to make a movie, and they are fucking right, because it's goddamn brilliant. Now, the budget was about $14. So when you see it, <laughs> understand that there was zero budget for this movie, or at least it appears that way. Um, but there, there's just some there's just some brilliance in there. And, and Jesse's comment that we should discuss the brilliance of the ending, which, A, I can't do because I'll spoil it for Rob and maybe for you know one or two other listeners that'll come across Cemetery Man on Netflix at some point and be like, oh, I think someone said this was pretty good. But the, the end is... Uh, is pretty brilliant. I, I will have to say that it's one of the the weirdest endings to a movie, and, and I do think it's actually pretty fucking brilliant. It's the best music video of all time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh shit, that's a good point. Like, are there any movies that are essentially a music video? Well, there's The Wizard of Oz, Grease. There's yeah. Repo, the genetic opera. There is. I was thinking the... Remember we were talking about the Batman movie last week? That's a Prince oh, yeah, soundtrack Prince, right there. Yeah, yeah, that is a Prince soundtrack. Um, i trying to think if I've seen any other... <laughs> oh, um... I can't think of what it's called. The burlesque movie that... Um, uh, oh, it's a really big deal. Why can't I think of the... You're not talking about the one that's actually called burlesque, right? That has no, Cher in it? No, I'm talking about the one that has, um, there's some people, (laughs) they're actors. Um, What the hell is it called? It was a really big deal. uh, You're talking about the one, um, um, Moulin Rouge? Yes. All right. Yeah, Moulin Rouge was basically a a music video. Yeah. Yeah. Streets (laughs) of Fire. All right. It's a fucking amazing movie. I didn't see until I was in my 40s. What a great fucking movie that was. All right. Greatest music video of all time now, Della Morte, Della More. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, and Thriller. Final word on that. Now, I... there's no music in Della Morte, Della More. There's actually, I can hear the, 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 the really low-budget score is like the same probably 10 chords over and over, and now I can hear it in my head. You'll nice. know what I'm talking about when you when you watch the movie. All right. We're, uh, we're getting down towards the end here. Um why there should be no such thing as a radio edit when it comes to music. Um, I don't know where I'm at on this one. Because um, we're not a bunch of uptight bitches in this world. I mean, all right, so I guess there has to be... Should there be a level of control? I just think that sometimes radio edits are for the dumbest shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's the problem. Radio is free and available to basically anybody. So if you're editing out for content because children might be listening, like, I get it. It's the same reason why you can't just have your full frontal nudity on free, in quotes, television, you know, NBC, ABC, right? Because anybody can see it. So, you know, I I get it. Um, 
I, and I don't know if he means, uh, see, this would be great if he was here. If he means radio edit, like that they change fuck to like either like a weird bleeped out fuck right. or if they change the word altogether or if they're, he's saying that, you know, the the radio edits from a four and a half minute song, they Down have to, to like a three. The, the, right. So yeah. the one that bugs me the most, one of my, if I was making, oh, here's another episode, the top 30 songs of all time. If I was making a oh, list shit. of my top 30 songs of all time, <laughs> Semi-Charm Kind of Life by Third Eye Blind would be in there. <laughs> Okay. I'll pause for I'll pause so you can catch your breath. <laughs> there's like a weird <laughs> yeah. There's a weird like really fast almost rappy kind of thing he does in the middle that's cut in the quotes radio edit. It always fucks me up when I'm singing along to it in my car if that part's not there, <laughs> and it really lessens the song. Oh man, tainted love. Do, do, the, the, the fact that tainted do, do, love do, do, always. Tainted Love has that other song at the tail end oh, of it. Oh, yeah. It's like yep. a good radio station. Yeah. yeah. And it gets cut out on anything else. So That's a great part. That's a great part of that song. So, yeah. I, I... The best part of that fucking song. <laughs> the part that they cut off the radio. Um, and now that I think about it, Marilyn Manson did not put that in his cover of Tainted Love either. Well, it's actually a separate song. That song oh, okay. actually has its own. And I'm pretty oh, sure so they're like, like CD, it's like its own track. They're like sibling songs almost. Yep. Like one leads into the other. So, yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, you know, if you're editing for, for language or, or editing for um, actual content, I, I guess where it's, you know, kids could be listening in the car or I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess my answer is if it's for content, I don't agree or disagree with it any more than I do for movies or television because... Mm-hmm. It's you know, but there's no rating on the radio, I guess. Now Even there's as ratings now, you know they have the yeah, M yeah whatever it's M A L V yes that one. But mine they're always the language sex violence ones. Yep. Um, there's a danger though to um the censorship angle of this. I'm going to tell you a personal story from when I was uh, just a, a wee, a wee. Oh please do these are the best. It's my favorite <laughs> part of this podcast. So, bearing in mind that um. When I was younger and of a more impressionable age, um, I was influenced by... <laughs> I had a cousin who was, like, ten years older than me. Um, and so, like, if he liked a, a certain music or or something like that, of course, I would like that music, too. Well, he was into Two Live Crew when they were a big thing. But for some reason, my mother didn't think it was appropriate for me. <laughs> that she's probably right, to be fair. I mean, that was probably... All right, let's do the math. When did that one album come out? Mm. Hang on. We're going to go to the internet for this because In it's the important. late late 80s? Oh, this is all music videos, which makes sense, but... What was the name of that album? I- I'm not going to be much help on this. Oh, but I'm at YouTube. YouTube. That's... <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> According to the internet, I was searching YouTube. That's why I saw all the videos. <laughs> then I went and I searched the actual internet. Um, as Nasty as They Want to Be was the album that was released in 1989. Doing the math, I was 11 uh, when that came out. Um, which would put me in, what, 6th grade? Yeah, I think that's about right. 6th-ish grade. And, um, you know, popular songs off that album include Me So Horny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm not going to go with that, but I am now going to for anybody who's uh, who's under you know 35 um, and does not uh, know. I'm going to read you some of the lyrics from a different song from <laughs> "Pop That Pussy" by Wait, Two Live Crew. Is it on the same album? Livius Nedden. Ye- no, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Is that bad if it's not? Uh, no, that's fine. All right, so this is the kind of thing Rob was talking about. His mother was trying to protect his his uh, his eleven year old mind from. There's only one place where we can go to see freaky hoes doing shows, doing tricks to make us holler, on a giving night, all for a dollar. Silicone breasts all on their chests. <laughs> Nothing like others, but above the rest, they'll do anything to turn us on. Them hoes got it going on. Now this next part is from Brother Marquis. That, that first one I did not credit was from Fresh Kid Ice. I like big booty, big old titties. Bitch, you know you've been fucked by many. So come and be my private dancer. 
I got some money, if that's the answer. I really want to be with you. I get hard after seeing you. How hard? Hard like a rock when you make that pussy pop. <laughs> so Rob is not sure that his little 11-year-old brain <laughs> should have been. Would you like me to go on? Because there's, no, there's more verses. Okay. Because I'm going to read the track list of as nasty as they want to be. These are the song names. You ready for this? It kicks off with Me So Horny. Uh, track two is Put Her in the Buck. <laughs> Number three is a little bit more, um, you know, su- subdued or subtle. Dick Almighty. <laughs> Come on, baby. Dirty Nursery Rhymes. I remember that one. Break It On Down. Two Live Blues. Uh, track eight is I Ain't Bullshitting. Get Loose Now. Track ten is The Fuck Shop. Uh, then we've got If You Believe in Having Sex uh, Track 11 is My 7 Bizzos Get the Fuck Out of My House Reggae Joint, Fraternity Record Badass Bitch okay. Mega Mix 3 and Coolin <laughs> Can I please read some more of these lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> okay Oh Rob's mom if you're listening You did the right thing no, because I have... Alright, continue, but there's more to this story. I like the way you lick the champagne glass. <laughs> it makes me want to stick my dick in your ass. <laughs> so come on, baby, and pop it quick. I fall in love when you suck my dick. <laughs> Bitch, you don't know? You ain't heard? Fucking with me, you're gonna get served. See, none of my bitches, they never complain. So come on, baby, and pop that thing. <laughs> All right. You have a point. <laughs> now, defend your defend your point. This is when he was talking about radio edits. I think he was like, "God, I hope they, they I would hope they would have edited the shit out of this podcast." No, no, no. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm bringing up the album that. So I went to the record store with my mom. She had to drive me because I couldn't drive. And I was like, man, I really want that. <laughs> I really want that Two Life Crew album. So my mom's talking to one of the people that works at the record store. And she's like, well, I think it's just kind of like not, it's not good for, you know, him being at this age and all that. And she says, what do you think is similar that might be better for, you know, for him? You know, <laughs> not so. So like she's asking for a recommendation, like an age appropriate recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. This is where it all goes downhill. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to Google some shit. Alright. <laughs> because the album that I got instead was an album titled Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Oh, God. Alright. First of all, how the fuck did someone think that was similar? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I've been bitter to this day. Oh, I thought you were going to get like like the Humpty Dance. No, see? Digital Underground would have been great. Yeah, nope. Fucking Belle Biv DeVoe. See, like there's not even... I, these lyrics aren't even worth reading because I have them. Yep. <laughs> In front of me from that particular song. I bet you yeah. they're a little bit more kid-friendly. Um... If I were you, I'd take precaution before I start to leave Fly Girl. You know, because in some portions, you'll think she's the best thing in the world. This is just awful is what it is. Yeah. So, that was my... That's my argument in favor of not <laughs> censoring music. You'll end up with fucking Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm gonna... That's, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> hey, so, okay, so, alright, so real quick. If you had to, just off the top of your head, one of the greatest rap songs of all time what would you throw out there Ooh, greatest like rap two or songs. three just throw out like two or three titles that come to mind i'm a big eminem fan i'll be 100 percent honest with you um i have to think of a specific song he actually on one of his newer albums a song called rap god and it is insane the way that the way that he raps it's crazy it's like so fast I don't even know how he does it, but um, that's one of my recent favorites. Yeah, do you have See, any? In- I, I would go super, super classic. So for me, like 
UTFO like Roxanne Roxanne. Okay. Um, maybe I mean, um, jam on it from Nucleus. Dude, I'll jump back to like Run DMC. Yeah, there that you whole go. fucking There's album, uh, which I don't remember the name of. <laughs> um, straight out of Hollis. No, that's a different. The one that's got like my Adidas on it and stuff. Yeah, I was. Uh, I don't know. I was never a huge fan of theirs. Um, I liked a lot of the. I don't even know if you would call it. It was like for, like from the time of breakdancing, like the rap that was out then when like breaking was really big, which would be like UTFO and or, you know like Fly Girl. Um, like I said Nucleus. Who else was doing stuff then? You can go back to the Sugar Hill Gang. Damn, you're, you're you're fucking old school on us here. Yeah, yeah. That's that's when rap was the best. Don't get me wrong. It's like the Snoop and Dr. Dre stuff was kind of cool too. But the Snoop and Dr. Dre stuff is the shit. So I'm talking Raising Hell. Songs like Peter Piper. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. How could you not love it's tricky? Um, I guess <laughs> my Adidas. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. You be illin, dumb girl. Oh, that's good stuff. Very good. I'll go. Speaking, old, I think old school. Speaking of music, yeah. while we're on it, another friend of the podcast, Gordon Highland, has a um, album coming out. Yeah, he also does a podcast. Here's you notice the trend, right? <laughs> We're really only friends with people that do podcasts. Um, that'd be great. Yeah, he does. Um, before I, I'm going to interrupt him before you talk about the the album. Um, he does with Caleb J. Ross a podcast called Important Question, which as I've been listening to it, I'm thinking it's not as much about important questions. <laughs> um, and that's not a criticism, as like just kind of weird questions. And so the format is. They'll pose a question like, um, it's usually like a yes or no type of question, and they both give their opinion and then they talk about the details of it. So it would be like, um, uh, would you ever get a vasectomy? And then they would have a like a thirty minute question or thirty minute episode about talking about the ups and downs of it and like their weird goofy takes on it and stuff like that. So he has spent the last nine months of his life birthing. Get it. Get oh, like the gestation? I got yep. it. Yep. Um, a CD, I believe it's going to be called Finding the Light. There is a free album preview. I tried to click on this link, and I got really, really loud in my headphones. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure if you Google Gordon Highland and Finding the Light, this will probably take you to SoundCloud, where you can uh, listen to samples from each track, and that will be available um, soon. I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll find a cut and, uh, and play it here on the podcast or something as uh, outro music uh, once it's available for general stuffs hey listen it'll be three less minutes of podcasting we have to do this summer just go with it i'm, I'm down i'm gonna listen for <laughs> i'm guessing that there's at least one tribute song to us or the podcast yeah and there's gonna be a radio edit version that's the one we'll play and that's yeah that's the one we'll play is the radio edit because we, no because we learned because <laughs> you'll end up with bell you'll be like i'm gonna go buy this and you'll be like why the fuck am i listening to bell biv devoe that'll be perfect we'll be like here comes gordon highland and we just play poison by bell biv devoe is this, is this new edition what the hell is happening right now all right. I love it. Um, let's let's knock out these last couple really quick. How did Nicolas Cage become cool again? Nicolas Cage was never cool. And is so, not cool. I think that's like the swing music question. I don't think that's... <laughs> the only thing I really, really like Nicolas Cage in, Face Off. I still think that's a great movie. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. Face Off is pretty much the best. Yep. He wasn't right, even that last... great in The Rock because Sean Connery was in it. So like, oh, he, he yeah, got... but see, I thought Nicolas Cage was terrible in that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He wasn't yeah. that great. Yeah, yeah. So the movie, The Rock, I really liked. Yeah. So this last one, hey, you know what? We could actually talk about books for, for at least 25 seconds of this podcast. <laughs> All right. This, um, we, we probably mentioned, God, I don't know if we've actually mentioned, I know you and I have talked about it, um, you know, kind of off the air and with other writers, with other writers, with writers and stuff and other people doing anthology. So the pros and cons of reprint anthologies. Fuck reprint anthologies. Yeah, so there's there there it is. Pretty much there is the uh, the the pros. There are zero. Yeah, I mean, if I wanted to fucking read a story that's already in print, I'll go find it in print. Yeah. Now that that being said, though, maybe if it's like the top one hundred horror stories of this year, if someone has collected up. Yeah, the, the best American like those series. Yeah, like that type of thing. Like the Ellen Datlow does the one. But those have a specific, yeah. Okay, so those would be the exception because, like, what it's doing 
is somebody picks through the garbage and brings you the best of that particular. Right. It's saving you. Yeah. yeah. Have you um, actually? This is horror. Has an episode where um, one of the series editors for I think it's the best American sci-fi and fantasy was on as a guest. Did you listen to that? That doesn't sound familiar. So oh. I'm gonna go with no. But he was talking about the process of choosing the, so- the songs. See, I'm so <laughs> so into music. Uh, choosing the stories that go into those anthologies, and it's like he reads like thousands of stories a year just to find what goes in that anthology. So the way it works is you have a series editor. You have a poor bastard. This poor motherfucker who has to read like every fucking like weird little zine and stuff that comes out. And they shortlist, you know, maybe a hundred songs or, or fucking songs. You're listening to song. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to tuned. Um, they shortlist like a hundred stories or whatever. And then they have that, that, another editor who's like the guest editor who from that whittles it down to the stuff that's going to make it into the book so it's a curated collection of the best of that genre that totally makes sense but i wouldn't even look at it as a reprint anthology because it's not like we're just like we want to make money i see it differently like the intent of it like a reprint anthology to me is um we just want to put stories together that we think are good so that we have a product to put out and we don't care if it's like new and fresh or if it's been published 8,000 times in other books. That's the thing. I, and again, I don't, I don't have the numbers and I guess it depends on, you know, if it's, you know, you're republishing Stephen King and Clive Barker and and Peter Saul or, you know what I mean? Versus, you know, I I don't, I would have to imagine that the sales rate is lower for non fresh, uh, unless you're really pulling big names. That's the thing. Pulling big names, probably, yeah. And I think that people would be more likely to bend the rules about needing new versus already printed material if it was like a bigger name that's going to pull people to their their collection. But fucking, I don't know, man. Like, we see this all the time where it's like, oh, my story uh, just got published in so-and-so. And it's like four months ago that story was published in something else. And it's just... I mean, some of these fucking writers out there, like, the words that they wrote have got to be, like, worn off because they get fucking printed so many times. <laughs> get your miles out of that one, huh? Yeah. I know um, I say that yeah. whenever I have the opportunity. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan. That being said, I may have read some collections or some, and, and I guess a collection is different, right? Because an anthology is just stories from all right. over. If it's someone who's just, like, I'm Bob author and here's all the short stories that have been published everywhere by me. You That's know, different. Think, yeah. Cause yeah. like it's a, it's again, it's a, it's a curation versus just right. mm-hmm. uh, what I see as kind of like la- either lazy editing or a money grab or something like that. Now, speaking of collections, you know who, what Bob Ryder has a collection coming out soon. I'm very excited about. No, I don't. Ooh, you might like his version of Dr. Sleep. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Propeller Hats for the Dead. That's right. right? So, yes, it is. Stealing Propeller see... Hats from the Dead. Yes. Did you see the the packet where you can get, like, a propeller hat? <laughs> yes, I saw that. Weird, awesome. kind of weird. Like, <laughs> I got to tell you, that guy knows marketing of books. Um, <laughs> He's just such a child at heart. <laughs> David James Keaton. Um, yes, a collection of reprints. But they're his reprints, so they're going to be fucking amusing and entertaining. And, yes, I will probably read that. Now... He does stuff too, where like if a story needs to change since it was printed, he'll change it. So you know that the story is <laughs> if, if it needs it or not, <laughs> whether it needs it or it not. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> um, so like there, <laughs> whether you and whether it's good or bad, you're gonna get fresh content from Keaton every time a story gets reprinted. Um, now that would be an interesting thought for an anthology, um, a reprint anthology that makes you rewrite the story before it gets published. There you go, Rob. Take back every edit this part out. <laughs> We're reprint anthologies suck. <laughs> there you go. There's there's your next project. Bam! I'm on it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a. That's gonna be our next big thing. So, um, Jesse, Re- you're re-booked. the only person. You're you're the only person still listening. Hopefully, we covered all your topics in the way you wanted them <laughs> covered. So, um, you know, hit me up, message me. This is like I feel like I'm not even talking to anybody but him anymore. 
Um, can we mention one thing that's not on uh, on Jesse's list? And, and it's uh, it, honestly, yes. it's probably high on Jesse's list. It just wasn't included in this list. Yeah. Another good friend of the podcast, Axel Tayari, who also is a, a booked alumnus and a booked anthology alum, um, he's got featured featured in an article on fucking io9 yeah that's pretty badass for those of you that don't know io9 is the um sci-fi site um for the the web monster that is a uh, um, yeah gawker so basically you have on the internet i think the powers that be are facebook reddit and then gawker but a lot of people don't get Gawker because there's like 82 websites under their umbrella. So right, Lifehacker right. being a huge one, io9 being a huge one. So this is, it, it, this is um, not to use Rob's word that you just used, but this is curated content. So, you know, Facebook, Reddit, that's user submitted content and stuff kind of gets voted to the top. So someone at io9 picked a portion of Axel Tayari's um, short story um, to. That's where I'm looking to kind of showcase the the anthology that, that he's in, I guess, would be the mm-hmm. right way to say that. So uh, big congrats to Axel Tayari. I will tell you that he got his name looked at more times in an io9 article than, you know, than most people we do. We know, you know, get their name seen by people in their entire career. Yeah, except for maybe Patrick Wensink when he had that big. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which was probably featured on a Gawker site at some point. Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, and uh, just... <laughs> Just in case anybody is interested in checking out the story, it's called Beyond the Visible Spectrum, and it's in Fantasy Scroll Magazine. Ooh, there's a little excerpt on the io9 article, and at the end it says, It's not often that I see stories written from an alien POV that work, so kudos to Tyre for managing the, to pull this off. There's a whole history in the background, including the history of humanity on Earth, all done in just enough detail to feel real and deep without bogging down the galloping narrative. I'm also so very down with the mixing of fantasy and science fictional elements here. So, some pretty good ups from K. Tempest Bradford, the author of the article. Um, Axel, I'm proud of you, son. Good boy. I say about that. So, in case you're listening, I'm proud of you. Remember us when you're on the top, bro. That's right. Um, that's it, right? We're done. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to go out to the sounds of Thriller. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bell Biv DeVoe. I'm just... <laughs> Thank you, Jesse Lawrence, for giving us something to talk about this week. Because when we sat down to do this, there was a note about Axel Tyre being featured. <laughs> I that was the amount and level of planning. And I, I'm, I'm not, I can't even take credit for that. It was Rob. I was like, I have a document. I was like, you have a document? He's like, yeah, there's only one thing. (laughs) And out of that, spurned this um, wonderful episode. Um, If you're uh, you're listening, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for for sticking it out. Um, I anticipate there will be, I think summer ends September 21st. Is that right? Mm, Sounds good. Yeah. Um, So there you go. (laughs) Uh, What he's trying to say is that there will be a book review coming sooner than later four or five more weeks <laughs> of this shit but all right so i'm out of the woods with my heavy work stuff so now i can focus more time back on the podcast so that means we'll i'll at least push Livius to to contact people for interviews or put together a uh spectacular of some sort we could do our all patterson episode that we threatened there's a lot of stuff we could do we just now we now we can kind of focus more on that all right. See what happens when Rob gets busy. The podcast falls apart. Until, until next time. <laughs> I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep listening to Belle Biv DeVoe.